We've been uh, ministering to you along the lines of being led by the Spirit. How many Spirit-led people do we have here? Okay, how many meatheads do we have? Romans 8. And we'll not read those first several verses that we've read, but they're still good. Verse 5 and so forth. But starting in verse 14. And pray with me as we approach the word. Father, thank you today for the privilege to minister. We ask you, Father, for anointing. We ask you, Father, for unction, ears to hear, hearts to receive. And thank you for the truth that sets free in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 14, Romans 8 says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Sons of God, brothers and sisters, are to be led by the Spirit of God. How many sons, or we could say children, how many children of God are here today? then you ought to be expecting to be led by the Spirit of God. This is, uh, well, you know, you, you want to rate everything that you minister on as, as supremely important. But uh, yeah, I'll tell you what, so much more than just a Sunday or Wednesday event in your life is being led. Uh, this is something that's supposed to happen all the time. On a daily basis, He's wanting to lead you. Not, not just in the major decisions, but in all the affairs of life. Yes. Hallelujah. Yeah, you know, there's a lot out there uh, written on the subject of time management and productivity. But there is no way to be any more productive. And there is no greater expert in the field than the Spirit of God. Amen. He knows how to help you, if we'll listen to Him, be totally efficient and use your time uh, to, the, to the best. Yes. Do you believe that? And if you'll be led by him, you, you won't miss it in that area. And it's amazing. Uh, he's not going to tell you work, 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 work all the time. There's times where you go to work and he'll check you on the inside. Spend time with the kids. They need it. You need it. There's times he'll deal with you. Relax. Get on the couch. There's times he'll deal with you. Take a nap. Well, see, he always knows what's coming up ahead. He always knows what's coming up next. So you and I want to not ignore him, but get to know him and understand how he leads. Because and you understand this, if you don't know if it's him, well, then how are you going to follow with any kind of confidence? How are you going to obey? I believe that brothers and sisters, we ought to know the leadings of the spirit and be so familiar with how he leads and how he works in our life that we that we're not missing it. We're having you can look back and see a track record of fruit, good fruit and, and success. And he led me here and it came to pass just like he led me. Amen. Well, that should be. And I believe it's possible, don't you? Hmm? I believe it's totally possible. Life is not a crapshoot. Right? Life is not a, uh, you know, shuffle of the deck and see where the cards come out. Not supposed to be. Life's not pull the arm and see where stuff stops spinning. He wants to lead us. And glory to God, he doesn't want to lead us into defeat. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14, that he always causes us to triumph in Christ. The message translation of that says he leads us from place to place in one perpetual victory parade. I just love that, don't you? The Lord leads us from place to place in one perpetual, one continual victory parade. 
Hallelujah. Yeah, there's going to be tests, but we're going to turn them into testimonies. Hallelujah. There's fights, but we turn them into victories. I mean, fights have to have an outcome, don't they? Storms don't last forever. Battles don't go on forever. They'll play a game today. The the clock is going to run out. We'll see who's on top. Praise the Lord. So verse 14 says, as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. You understand that if it's fear that's motivating you, if it's fear that's leading you, it is not the spirit of God. God never comes with a message of fear. He never comes with a a feeling or a sensation of fear. God's message is always fear not. And if he manifests himself in such an awesome way that you tend to be afraid, then he'll he'll tell you, okay, don't be afraid. (laughs) But you have received the spirit of adoption. What's that mean? Well, when you're adopted, you weren't in the family, but now you're in the family. Anybody here were you raised as an adopted child? Is there anybody? No one in this place. But, uh, you know, you, you meet folk all the time who are. And a lot of times they, they'll tell you they weren't treated any differently than the natural child. Right. That's yes. right. That's right. Right. An adopted child is full rights and privileges, yeah. full sonship. Yeah. But you've received the spirit that lets you know. Let you know, I don't know about you. I always had, uh, because I wasn't raised in church and wasn't raised in Christianity. And then I got born again. I always felt for several years, like I kind of just slipped in and was kind of just on an outsider in the things of God. Anybody else you experienced that when you were first saved? And I always felt like, well, you know, I, I got in ministry and then all the people I was ministering with, they were preacher's kids and grew up in church. And I always felt like, Seems like they have more rights and more privileges and they're just they just walk up and take what they need. And I'm outside saying, well, you know, I don't know if God wants to. He will. Can you tell him not that way anymore? Huh? Can you, if God sets it on the table, I get me a chair and I just say, OK, give me a fork. Give me a spoon. Come on. Give me some. Give me, give me, give me mine. Right. You go to mom's mom and dad's house, even if you've been an adult. Right. When the kids come to your house, do they just help themselves? They go to the refrigerator, open it. Huh? They see something. They just take grandkids. Right. They don't say, oh, I pray thee. Could I have maybe just a morsel, a crumb from from your table? I mean, even the dogs get the right. No, that doesn't happen. Why? See, they're in the family. They know they're in the family and we're in the family. And the spirit of God will let you know. That you're in the family. We've, we've received the spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba. That, that's, a, that's a word. It means daddy. Yes. Father. Yes. Everybody say, I'm in the family. Verse 16 says, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. We're children. God doesn't have any grandchildren. Only a child. We're we're children. The Spirit Himself bears witness. We talked about that last week. Isn't that where we left off? Talking about how does God lead you? What's it like? That term bears witness. Other translations say He testifies. There's 
listen, on the inside of you, there's an agreement on the inside. There's a confirmation on the inside. And, it, and isn't it true, as we said last week, that the first thing that God will do when the Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you, when you're born again, his introduction to you is he lets you know that you're a child and that you're in the family and that you're safe and things are there. Amen. Things are OK. Yeah. Hallelujah. That's not the only time he bears witness with us. He's letting you know, hey, we're establishing a mode of communication here. And this is this is what's going to go on and on and on throughout our relationship. And as we've said, it, it doesn't make sense and it just does, doesn't seem right for a Christian who, who comes one second ago, they were uh, an unbeliever. They were not in the family. Now they've received Jesus. Now they're in the family. It makes absolutely no sense for them to be able to hear that at that point without any training. And how many know they do? And so did you. You know, man, I remember when I asked Jesus into my heart and it seemed like just this thing rolled off the back of me. You know, the weight came off you. I knew. Everybody say, you, I knew. It makes no sense to be able to know at that point. And then 10 years later, you can't hear anything. And no, what, what makes sense is you all, we ought to develop in the things of God to where now we don't just know we're a child of God. Now we know which way to go. Now we know which turn to make. Now we know how to make a decision. If you can hear on this big thing of I'm not going to hell now, I'm on my way to heaven, then you can hear what clothes to wear. Hmm? Amen. I mean, instead of standing in front of your closet, trying on every single outfit in there, being 50 minutes late to your appointments and stuff like that. Can God help you? Amen. You check your heart. He'll help you get dressed in the morning. So we need to develop in the right direction. And the way you do that is you pay attention on the inside of you. Praise God. Let's see where we left off last time. We, we left off in the book of Acts, didn't we, in the 15th chapter. And uh, we'd ask you to turn back there. You'll have a knowing on the inside of you, a sensing, a leading. Isaiah talking about this said, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. But see, the spirit of God's not behind us. He's in us now. Hallelujah. And uh, we, we saw here in the book of Acts in the 15th chapter. Do you remember we looked at this very, very briefly at the end of the service? Uh, we talked about uh, these terms that you'd be real. Uh, it'd be real easy just to read over these and not not give any attention because because the language is just so plain. But do you remember where it says it pleased the apostles to send Judas and Silas to yeah. such and such a place? And then it said, it seemed, they said, well, it seemed good to do such and such a thing. Then oh, a little later on, around the 28th verse, it said, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. Yeah. Uh-huh. What's, what do you mean it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us? The Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit. Yes. They checked down on the inside of them and there was an agreement there was an agreement. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed good. It seemed right. Well, 
they did this work. They had this, this conference that they were having. And then they released Judas and Silas. And do you remember we looked at it? It said it pleased Silas to remain there still. Pleased him. What do you mean it pleased him? Something on the inside when they said, you guys are free to go. You're released. Go, go board your flight back. Something on the inside of him. I uh, just said, it just, I'd be, it just seems right for me to stay around. Right. Yeah. And then, of course, I think we did read the story about when Paul and Barnabas split up and went different directions. Yeah. And it said, Paul chose Silas to go with him. Why did he choose Silas? Because Silas stayed where he was supposed to be. He was there at the right place, in the right time, yeah. doing the right thing. Right. And then the whole New Testament, uh, the whole book of Acts after that, rather, follows Paul and Silas, all because he didn't have he didn't have this big vision. He didn't have uh, an angel choir come down. Lights didn't flash and music didn't play. Just seemed like he should stay. Boy, uh, do you see that so much of the history of the church, which which this this chapter right here kind of determined the, the, the whole course of things. And it was all because of how things seemed. Not too spectacular, to be honest with you. But really, really supernatural. And when things aren't spectacular, they can be easy to miss. I want you to look in the 16th chapter. Because we're seeing how people are led. Amen. And we're seeing when things seem good. Do you like it when things seem good on the inside? It seems good to, to do this. It seems good to, amen, to go here. Now here again, remember that uh, if it seems good to you to do something and the word tells you not to, if it seems good to flirt with your uh, fellow worker's wife, you know you, your seamer's off. What do we know? You're a meathead. This only works for spirit-ruled people. But I'm telling you, it works. And I, I mean, this can be easily life or death. Don't go stay. I've had it happen to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amen. We've given you testimonies of different things that have happened. But I mean, life or death. And, and still people choose to not develop the sensitivity to the spirit of God. Right. Well, don't, don't be dumb. Yeah. Acts chapter 16. Uh, Here again, it starts to follow Paul and Silas. And in verse six, it says, now, when they had gone throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. Do you see that? They were forbidden by the spirit to preach the word in Asia. Stop. Question. Did God, Jesus himself, not say Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, what's the Holy Spirit doing forbidding them? Well, don't you know that he knows where you're going to be received? He knows where there's a supply of the spirit. He knows where the where where things will happen and where things will work. And he knows where your life could be snuffed out. Some folks say, well, as long as I'm preaching the gospel, I'll be protected. Oh, no, not true at all. There's people going to places preach the gospel, got their head cut off. Yeah. Yeah. 
make movies about it and say it was God. Well, it may, God may have told him to go there. God may have told him not to go there. So the Holy Spirit said, no, no, you don't. Not in Asia. Don't go there. How did he forbid them? Where is he? Something on the inside was telling them. Oh, not audible words. Maybe, maybe not audible words, but a knowing, a sensing, uh, a, a disagreement, not confirming. They had it in their hearts. Let's go to Asia. They had it in them. They had it set in their minds. We're going to Asia. But something on the inside wasn't in agreement. Something on the inside was like, if you've ever tried to drive your car with that parking brake all the way up. Something on the inside was, was grinding against them and stopping them. And they paid attention. And said, well, Asia's not it. So let's see where else you go. Where would you go if you couldn't go to Asia? Everybody say, Mycenae. After they were come to Mycenae, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the spirit allowed them not. Things didn't seem right on the inside for that either. We're seeing here again that somebody's whole ministry, and and you could apply this just as easy to your life and the decisions you make. They're, They're deciding their whole course based on just something on the inside of them. Not spectacular. But supernatural. Uh, spectacular would be if you've ever read in Daniel where the writing appeared on the wall. That's spectacular. Hmm? Praise God. Let me have you go to one more place today. Isaiah 55. And we want to just bring a little more detail to you regarding how he leads by this inner witness and what it's like. And I think everybody here, you've experienced probably at one time or another exactly what we're talking about. But I think it's also very possible that you may have experienced it and ignored it at times. I think we all have. Um, I think I think we'd be right in saying that probably everybody has had something in their heart. Don't do such and such. And you went ahead and went that way. And then, of course, you've also probably had do this. Maybe it was something spiritual. And your flesh said, oh, no, 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 no. We ain't going to do that. Too tired. Too tired. It can, be, it can be 10 in the morning, too tired. 12 noon, too tired. Your flesh, how come every time it is that, that uh, the suggestion or the impression comes to you, read your Bible or pray. Your flesh always says, too tired, too tired. No, too tired. Or is that just me? You too. Isaiah 55. Verse 12 says, you shall go out with joy and be led forth with what? Peace. peace. Joy and peace. You understand that those things happen on the inside of you. The peace of God is really how he testifies to us. Have you ever sensed his peace on the inside of you? When, when you have a, uh, a leading to do something, another way you could say it is, I have peace about it. When you have a check, don't do it. That's another way of saying, there's not peace about it. 
you can write this down if you want. Don't turn there for the sake of time. But Colossians chapter three, verse 15 says, let the peace of God rule, rule in your hearts. Let the peace of God rule. Well, we're not talking about two different things. The witness of the spirit's not something totally different from the peace of God. Amen. His presence is his peace. Let the peace of God rule. That word rule uh, in the Greek, uh, another good word for it would be umpire. You know, my mom was a tennis umpire for many years uh, on the the pro level. And I got to be a ball boy a lot. uh, But I know what the umpire does. It looks at that ball and it says safe or out. Just like a baseball umpire or anything like that. Well, you understand that when things come to you and thoughts come to your mind, the, the peace of God on the inside will say safe or out. Every mind needs a bouncer at the door. Out, out, out. And so if you want to stay in peace, or let me say it this way, if you want to be led consistently, you have to stay in peace. You have to be willing not to throw your peace away at a moment's notice. Never make a decision about against the peace of God. Uh, ask yourself when you're making a decision, do I have a peace about this? Hmm? Or do I not have a peace about this? You could say it this way. Is, does everything seem all clear? Or is there an alarm of some sort going off on the inside of you? I'm telling you, God is so faithful. He'll lead you this way all the time. Never make a decision against the peace of God. So if you want to be led accurately, you're going to have to stay out of strife because that, that's a big peace robber. Right. You got to watch what you let in. Hmm? We don't allow strife in our house. Our kids are not allowed to get in strife. Not allowed to fight. You'll get charged with disturbing the peace. And that's a huge that has big consequences. Right. You, you ever met anybody? Maybe it's you, but don't don't let anybody know it. we're talking about you. But have you ever met anybody that just goes from crisis to crisis and that's their life? One crisis to another crisis to another crisis. How come? Well, because the enemy sees how they respond when the crisis comes. There goes the peace. And while and while the doors open, just bring another one, bring another one, bring another one, bring another. We don't have crisis after crisis after crisis. Well, what determines whether it's a crisis? How you respond has more to, way more to do with it than the situation itself. Hallelujah. Well, can I read one thing to you before we go today? Bro, uh, Brother Hagen, whom I've read after, and, if, and I recommend this book so highly. It's called How, to, How You Can Be Led by the Spirit of God. goes into a lot more detail than I am. Uh, during this, these messages. You're supposed to say, no, pastor, there's nothing better than, than what you're preaching. But uh, Brother Hagen had, uh, of course, he didn't, he didn't know this and didn't see this for many, many years of his ministry, what I'm preaching to you even. And uh, he had a vision. Jesus appeared to him to teach him these things. And I'd like to read you a little bit of what Jesus said to him in this vision. Now, you might say, well, I don't know if I believe that. And uh, but the Bible teaches that visions are within the realm of God's ability. 
Amen. And we'll even talk about being led by visions before we're done with this. But don't believe it if it's not in line with the word of God. But if what you hear is just right in line with the scripture, then then maybe you ought to believe it. I want to read a little bit of this of the conversation. Jesus appeared to him. And he was talking to him about the ministry of the prophet. Remember, we said to you that uh, in the Old Testament, that's really how people had to be led if they were going to hear from God. In the New Testament, it's totally unscriptural to seek leading from people who say they're prophets. God can bring guidance through their ministry, but that's not what we're to seek. And uh, the Lord was instructing Brother Hagin, who stood in that office of a New Testament prophet, different than the Old Testament prophet. He was giving him instruction and he said this. Jesus said to me, under the new covenant, it does not say as many as are led by prophets, they are the sons of God. The New Testament says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Then he said, the number one way, the primary way that I lead all of my children is by the inward witness. What we've been talking about. And then Jesus said, I'm going to show you how that works so you won't make the mistakes you've made in the past. I love learning from other people's mistakes. He called my attention to something that had been happening to me for the previous three days. For the past three days, I had sat down to write a letter to a pastor confirming a date to hold a meeting for him. Somehow the first day I got about a half a page written and then I tore it up and threw it into the wastebasket. The next day I did the same thing and the third day I did the same thing. Then it was the day that the Lord was here in the room talking to me. Jesus said, you see me sitting here talking to you. This is a manifestation of the spirit called discerning of spirits. Discerning means to see. And he said, this is the prophet's ministry in operation. You're seeing into the realm of the spirit. You see me. You hear me talking. I'm bringing you through the vision, a word of knowledge and also a word of wisdom. I'm telling you not to go to that church. That pastor would not accept the way you would minister when you got there. And then Jesus said, but I am never going to lead you this way again. Brother Hagin said he never has. That was many years ago. From now on, I'm going to lead you by the inward witness. You had the inward witness all the time. You had a check in your spirit. That's the reason you tore up the letter three times. You might think, what a, what a dummy. But you know, we've probably all done things like that. It's real easy to see it when you've been enlightened. Jesus said, you had something on the inside, a check, a red light, a stop signal. It wasn't even a voice that said, don't go. It was just an inward intuition. Then Jesus reminded me of another invitation. I had preached a convention for one of the full gospel denominations the previous year, nearly every pastor there asked me if I would come and hold a meeting. Now that's a traveling minister's dream for every pastor to come ask you. (laughs) He said, I had hundreds of calls, I suppose. One fellow came up to me and said, Brother Hagin, do you ever go to small churches? I said, I go anywhere the Lord says to go. Well, we only run 70 to 90 in Sunday school, but if God ever speaks to you, we want you to come. I dismissed that conversation along with many others Several months later, however, while praying in the church one day about my services that night, that conversation came back to me. Then every day it continued to come back to me. Finally, after about 30 or 40 days, I said, Lord, do you want me to go to that little church for a meeting? You'd like to think you're quicker. (laughs) 
He didn't know what he knew when he was writing this book back then. The more I would pray about it and the more I would think about it, as we say, the better I would feel about it on the inside of me. It wasn't a physical feeling, but it was a feeling in my spirit. Sitting by my bedside, Jesus referred to this. The more you thought about it, the better you felt about it. You had a velvety like feeling in your spirit. That's the green light. That's the go ahead signal. That's the witness of the spirit to go. Now you see me sitting here, you hear me talking to you and I'm telling you to go to that church, but I am never going to lead you to go anywhere like this again. Brother Hagin says he never has. From now on, listen to this. I'm going to lead you just like I do every other Christian by that inward witness. I thought that that was just such a great, great illustration of how the Lord leads something on the inside. Now, it's sad to me. Christians would hear that and say, well, that sounds like new age teaching. Following, you know, what are we talking about? Following vibrations or no, the witness of the spirit, the peace of God. New age stuff's a perversion of this. There is such a thing as guidance that's scriptural, that's balanced, and that's right. And it's not having some guy sitting in a booth where you come by and you get a word and you get a reading. And that's not the number one way. That's not how we're supposed to be led. Well, we're not going to just live out of the intellect. We're not just going to be meatheads. Amen. Because the answers aren't up there. Say it if you would, everybody. Sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Stand up with us today. Say it again if you would. Sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. And one more time. Sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Now say this. I'm not a meathead. I'm Spirit-led. Say that again. I'm not a meathead. I'm Spirit-led. I follow... And I obey. obey. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.